Hey there, welcome to Sessions, a podcast presented by Matt Black, the creators behind the Shapeshift Report. My name is Micah. I'm the director of strategy and culture here at Matt Black, and I'm here with awesome guest Jeff Law, the co-founder of The Blind Barber. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. No, dude, awesome. We were talking a little bit before this about the the influence of Blind Barber in uh, the fashion world, in the grooming world. I've personally been a huge fan and have, have gotten got my hair cut there for a long time. So thank you for years ago thinking of this concept ju- just for me, I feel like. But of course, it is just for you. It's just for everyone who walks in there. Our awesome. goal is to just, you know, make sure people feel great about themselves. Totally. So before we get started, we do, we always do like a few quick questions just to get to know you. Um, so drink of choice. Bullet bourbon on the rocks or a Modelo. Uh, next vacation spot. Jersey Shore in September. Nice. Like, just like... Yeah, like beach house. Yeah, my sister lives down there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, This one might be hard to think about. Funniest joke you've ever been told? Craig. My buddy Craig uh, said this joke, and it stuck with me. Oh, yeah. You think the ocean's salty because the beach don't wave back? (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Craig. I feel like... Credit Craig Jambrone for that. Craig Jambrone. Yep. Yep. In the show notes. That's a really, really good joke. That is a good joke. So... I feel like jokes are so much less a part of society now because maybe maybe it's like old movies or maybe it's when I was younger, but jokes used to be like a thing. You told people and you tried to have like an arsenal of jokes ready to go. Yeah, I feel like I've like purchased like joke books when I was younger. Dude, and now now it's memes. Like I need it's to have you, truth. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably true. You I used to have an arsenal of memes as opposed to knock knock jokes, but. I digress. Um, we'll get into some of the real stuff. So for, for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit first about yourself and then also the story behind what Blind Barber is? Sure. Uh, so I'm Jeff, originally born in Jersey, but do not consider myself necessarily from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I uh, went to high school there, but then immediately after uh, enrolled in NYU, moved to New York City and credit that that portion of my life in that place is what what actually made me me it's where i found myself um so lived in all over the city uh going to nyu met my best friends and my family basically my family uh through nyu and new york um had a bunch of odd jobs throughout college i studied history uh i wanted to the original plan was to become a lawyer it's, yeah. it's what uh, all my teachers said growing up. And it's like, you know, that was that was what happens when you're young, when you're younger. It's like, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up? And now just follow that straight path because it's that easy. Right. <laughs> were you were you like an argumentative kid? And they're like, oh, you're going to be a lawyer. Or, what, what yeah, do you think I guess so. I guess your, so. Dad, like your parents weren't lawyers or anything. No, 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 no. My mom's been everything under the sun. She's like a like the most creative and hardworking person I've ever met in my life. She just is never not working and is always doing well, but you can't sit still. Yeah. Like flight attendant, sales representative, Mary Kay cosmetics saleswoman, number one in the country. We had like three pink cars. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, I had to drive one of them. It was really bad, <laughs> but whatever. Um, she was a QVC host. She was a QVC model. She was a runway model. She was a Philadelphia Eagles cheerleader. Like she's everything. Yeah. Which is really cool and inspiring because, like, you know, she's, she just makes it work and she's not scared to try things. And then on the other side, my dad is, like, a really, 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 really smart uh, but but risk-averse type of guy. Mm. He is the, he's mm. a, an accountant and, you know, just that's his, that's his focus on safety, you know. Like, let's, let's put that money away. Let's, let's get these things in order. So I think I'm a good balance between the two. Is he like tax accountant or is he like, you're like big firm kind of? No, he's, he works in-house uh, for Burlington Co-Factory. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's been there forever. So yeah. now he's, I guess, controller. Or he something. controls all the coats now. Controls all the coats. It's not even coats. So it's Burlington stores. Sorry. Oh, okay. Rebrand. Okay. Way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> way cooler. Seriously. They, they, I mean, like they, they're way different than when I was shopping there. Yeah. Yeah. I heard this great. It was today or yesterday. I actually heard this quote. Someone, their, their parents told them when they were a kid, don't worry about what you're going to be when you're older. Cause the job you're going to have hasn't been invented yet. 
just because of like the speed the technology moves now and you think about like here agency yeah like that's that's been around but even what you guys are doing or think someone who's coding like that job wasn't didn't exist for a long time I know. you were, so you as a kid you 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 had your mind on being a lawyer so you go to that's NYU that's what you still do. thought you were going to do yeah so i was like oh well what do you study if you're going to be a lawyer and it's like well you study history right that's mm-hmm. what you do and then after history you go and you take your LSATs and then you go to law school and then you come out and you make 150 200 100k a year you buy a house you have a family and then what else is there to worry about yeah simple yeah it's simple just so just simple. As easy as saying it. so simple yeah um so so yeah so i studied history it was phenomenal i love i love the idea of his i love studying history i don't really particularly care about the actual facts i like the the exercises of like research and forming arguments i guess and mm-hmm. i just did it because i could get good grades and you just wanted to get good grades and show that you could learn how to learn yeah so fast forward through four years of a lot of fun in New York City, um, a lot of stress too, obviously, but I think you need that to get stronger. Just real, real, real experience. Like I was, you know, you're not in just some campus, you're like kind of thrown in the middle of the heartbeat of the world and said, go make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and after, it, throughout college, I also had a part-time job working in salons. I did that when I was back in Jersey, too, through high school. It was My mom worked in salons as well mm-hmm. and got me a job there. It was super cool because I was around a bunch of beautiful women and was just trying to get dates. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was it was a genius and move. What were you doing in the salon? Like answering phones. Whatever. Yeah, I was answering phones, managing the floor, like kind of like the flow of what was going on. Yeah. Um, so then after, after college... Um, it, you know, it didn't work out as, as as everyone told me it was going to be planned. I ended up unemployed and having to move back to Jersey for eight months, completely yeah. devastated and confused as to like, I followed the plan that everyone said, what the fuck is wrong? Why is, why am I unemployed? They go to college, get a degree. NYU. Like, you know, like, yeah. what, I don't get it. So on my mom's couch, severely depressed defeated mm-hmm. and now back working at a salon answering phones and and then that was a nice place that I actually looked forward to that because it was and and I this is before knowing I wanted to do anything with blind barber or yeah. the barbershop thing it was just like a safe haven like it was where I met a ton of new people all walks of life I it was a great networking opportunity for me to try to like get back to the law firm thing that mm-hmm. I wanted to do um Plus, you're like I said, you're surrounded by cute girls and who want dates, and mm-hmm. you know it was it was it was good. It was it was cool. Yeah. It was it was the spot I wanted to be. And like gossip, you can you know you sit in that chair and you get a haircut. You get to talk about whatever you want. So yeah. it was like a therapy session too. Yeah. But that gets old, and that's not what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I didn't want to manage a salon at that time. I wanted to become a lawyer. So I thought. So I applied to. I mean hundreds of law firms for a legal assistant job, paralegaling, and nothing, nothing, crickets, crickets. And then luckily for, for me, my, my, one of my best friends from school, Matt uh, Buckwack, who's now our Blind Barber's creative director, oh, cool. uh, was working at a law firm in the city, Cravath, Swain & Moore, a really, really prestigious, beautiful firm, like great people, like the top of the top. Mm. Um, and he was close with the HR woman, who, so then he, I was like, listen, anything you do, yeah. just please like get me out of Jersey. Like yeah. I need to come back to the so you'll city. You'll go answer phones there and you'll do the same thing. Yeah. You'll do anything. Yeah. And I was like, and I know once I get in, like they're going to like my work. I'm, I'm a hard, I'm a crafty hard worker. Like I, I may not like follow the exact protocol and I like to take some shortcuts, but I'm good at whatever I put my mind to. And I know they would be happy with me. He was like, all right. So he brought my resume. The woman was quitting the next day. So she was like, sure. <laughs> Bring him in, and if you say he's a good friend, let me do a quick interview so I can cover my ass. And, yeah, so I got in the car that second, drove up, and was like, I'm here. And she was like, nice to meet you. Went through the interview. She was like, you're great. You're hired. And I was like, what? Whoa. Sweet. I'm back on. I'm back on track. Just that day. day. Like, here it is. I, literally, it was like, I think it was like December 22nd, and... Uh, they were like, so when do you want to start? And I was like, December 26th. Like, I'll come yeah. up. And I called my other best friend from NYU, this guy Vinny, who was trading um, 
down at the not the stock exchange. What's the other one? The like commodities exchange. The Merck. Yeah. yeah. The the, Merc, the the commodities exchange. Yeah. And he, I was like, yo, I need a place to stay. And he said, well, you can move in with me. I was like, sweet, you got an extra bedroom? He's like, no, but you can move into my bedroom. And I was like, all right, you have a girlfriend, though. And he was like, she'll be fine with it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and we, I moved in. I brought a bed up. And we shared a bedroom for the next, like, two and a half years. Two. Like, my feet could touch his feet. And, and then I eventually got a girlfriend while I was there. I'm not kidding you. Like, yeah. our feet could touch each other. And, like, <laughs> That's we, so- and no door to our bedroom. We had a sheet. Ugh. That's a perfect New York story, though. That's that's it. But it was dope. It was in Williamsburg. Anyway, so I I started Kavath, and I'm pumped, right? I'm like, so piece of cake. I work here for two years, go to law school, come back, and now I'm at the number one law firm. Yeah. Game on. So can you really quick before we go, can you explain like that mental flip between hundreds of resumes out at the salon and then all of a sudden – one day it just took like did everything turn on a dime that day or were, were you like kind of becoming like complacent like okay this is i'm just gonna stay in jersey and was not it. i'm never complacent yeah i'm, I'm never i'm a hustler yeah. like i since early like you know sad to admit but like i seek out opportunities to like get what i need like if i needed to go to the mall yeah i was like all right i got 10 bucks in my pocket all the kids are playing Magic the Gathering these days. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy some of those exclusive cards, sell it to them for 20 and then I'm going to the mall. Yeah. And that's what I did. <laughs> like, I did those things. Like, yeah. I, I always was trying to hustle to make a buck. Yeah. So I'm never complacent. Yeah. You know, um, there's times when I would be in the fetal position for, like, three straight weeks, just, like, shaking and crying. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, yeah. but at some point, luckily for me, I have a great family. I have great friends. And, and not that they were always the ones like cheering me on, but they've instilled me with enough like oomph to like kind of like, all right, get your shit together, quit being such a pussy, and like, yeah. let's do this. Yeah, and that's how you stayed with it long enough to to score this job after God, going after. Yeah, this like it, you know, it's like it's a drop in the bucket once you look back on. It. It's like eight months in comparison to the yeah. next eighty years of my Nothing. life. It's like I'm I'm whatever. Yeah, you know, in the time it feels it just so feels like eternity during that during that moment. Yeah, so. So I get there and it's great. I'm making good money and I'm like, this is cool, exciting for the first three days. And then I'm like, hold up. This is what the law life is like. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't do this. Well, what was wrong with it? Just, it's not like when you turn on the TV and like people are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are like, no, you need to object. And it's, <laughs> it's like, no, they're sitting there and they're like, you know, you're reading there. Told, yeah, you're reading like, oh, that comma shouldn't be there. <laughs> It's like, we have to file 365 UCCs on the lien on this property, Jeff. Can you get that done by tomorrow? And it's like, so I'm going to be here till tomorrow because I won't be able to get that done within the nine to five. And they're like, yeah. The first day I was there, the first week I was there, I closed the deal. And I was at the law firm for three straight days. They give you like a an overnight package of like toothpaste and a toothbrush. And oh stuff. my gosh. I was like. No th- and yeah, you get overtime and stuff, but I was like, this is not the life. Like, yeah. no thank you. Yeah. So, so back to depression. <laughs> right? Just right back. I was yeah, like, yeah, wow. No, no. So my whole, this, I'm trying, this is what I was supposed to be doing. You yeah. guys told me, I believed it. I bought into the hype and it sucks. Yeah. I'm too old now to, to pivot. What do I get? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And you know, I say it quick in in conversation, but this was like a long, like I was at this law firm for three and a half years. And I think like this, the, the eye opening part was like within the first three months. And then I'm like, kind of just like going through the motions trying yeah. to figure out what my next step is. And then once I couldn't take it any longer, like I got to like a year and a half, I was like, I got to figure out what, what I'm going to do. Cause I'm not becoming a lawyer, mm-hmm. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. So I was like, well, what else do I like? And I had the opportunity, like I said, to work in salons with my mom back in Jersey. And then while I was at school, I had the opportunity to work with a really cool uh, salon that start. I started it with them, not not as an owner, but like I was there from day one yeah. uh, called Ted Gibson. And so I got to watch them build and, and operate and lend my voice to like the way things flowed and learn from them because they, this guy was like cutting like Angelina Jolie's hair and like he was... Yeah, he, is, like he still is yeah. the top, and his and his husband is like one of the the best colorists on the planet. Wow! And so it was a really like without knowing it, I, I was gathering all of this information. At the end of the day, I knew I liked it, so I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll cut hair. I was like, so you know, I, I could I have the connections to these great 
places, they charge 150 bucks to cut hair or something. I get a percentage of that. Like I can make a decent living off that. And it's in an environment that I like. Yeah. So I enrolled in a beta cosmetology school part-time. And I, so I'd worked from the law firm from nine to five. And like, as I said, by that time I was really good at my job and your job becomes repetitive there. So like I was able to like crank out all of my work and be done by five. Yeah. And then know that I could get whatever the lawyers needed done the next day. And then, yeah. so from five to 10, I would go to a beta cosmetology school. And the way cosmetology school is broken up is you do the written portions and practice, uh, the, the like, uh, safety and mm-hmm. health stuff, all book and mm-hmm. test the first portion. And then you get into practical washing hair, perms, nails, blow dries, yeah. all that shit. Crush the written. No problem. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm like, sweet, this is going to be so dope. And I go... Uh, and then we, we start like a couple months later, we start the practical and, and we have to, uh, we have to wash someone's hair and we get to the shampoo bowl and I'd seen this done a million times. I've washed my hair. I washed my own hair. I've had my hair washed. Yeah. I touched this, the person and they weren't, it wasn't, they weren't sweaty. They weren't gross. It was just the fact that I had my hands in someone else's hair and I said, "Eh -eh." (laughs) uh-uh. Like, no way. That was it. I was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> the I can't. third thing. You're like, I was like, not, I can't do I, I was like, yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to. Like, I I had some problems, like, sectioning hair. I don't get the, the women may know what that means. Like, yeah. where you, like, actually have to, like, comb it and separate it into the sections. And that's how they learn to, like, cut and stuff. And, yeah. I, like, that was some problems. But, like, when I had to touch the hair and, like, get in there. Yeah. I was, and it was a good, like, beautiful head of hair. Yeah. Like, my mind was like, well, what about that sweaty... <laughs> what about when I get this sweaty guy? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm, that's it. So anyway, I wasn't ready to quit, but I was like, this is this is a bad... I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm going to be a career paralegal. Yeah. It's just... There it is. So I... It, there was a break. It was over the summer, and my family had rented a short house down in, in Sea Isle, which is South Jersey. And my grandfather was there, who was a serial entrepreneur himself. Yeah. And I was talking to him. I was like, and he's like the guy I looked up to. He was always making it happen. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool as a cucumber. Like just always like just the G. Yeah. And I was, I said, pop up, you know, what, what am I going to do, man? I was like, what do you think about me cutting hair? I was like, I'm starting to worry that I, I can't do it. And he was like, oh, Jeffrey. He's like, I think it's cool. He was like, seriously. He said, the barber shop was like, the spot that I wanted to be at all the time. He was like, I got my hair cut. I talked about babes. We'd play cards. I'd have a beer. And I was like, it was, it was a cartoon moment. It was like the light bulb bulb, just appeared above my head. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, that's what it is. And I said, it's not cutting hair. I was like, that's the shit I love too. I loved being in the salon and greeting someone who was who didn't feel like themselves, giving them their robe going and making them a cappuccino or getting them a glass of wine, telling them to sit down, asking them how their day was, gossiping about, like, the guy that they hated, the girls that I was dating, whatever. They sit in the chair. They're looking at themselves. Someone's behind them, and they're like, what do you want to do today? And they're like, I don't know. Just like like you had told me previously that you were like, I don't know, but make me... Make me look cool. Or, or yeah, yeah, just give me... What, what do you think will be best? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of it... Boom, 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 an hour, blow dry, and the woman's looking in the mirror and being like, there I am. Mm-hmm. And there's someone behind them being like, you're beautiful. Like, you go crush it today. And during that process, they got to, like, release all of that, like, tense, tense tension and stress that they might have been having or just enjoy another laugh, whatever, yeah. or be quiet. Yeah. But they got to feel like them. And it was a whole, like, eco- like atmosphere that was just contagious and like really fun to be around and then to hear my grandfather talk about a barbershop when barbershops at that time for us were like kind of like crude spots for us to get a haircut it's like you're gonna walk in they're gonna put a bowl in your head and cut i was like hold on what if i combine the quality that i'm used to and i love with a barbershop that my grandfather just you know and i was like and he mentioned beer and i was like let me go look into this going in being in new york i had I'd gone out a bunch. I'd yeah. been to clubs. I knew I knew what was like going on. Yeah, and cool. And I was like, and I looked into the laws, and there was 
nothing that prohibited me from doing this. Yeah, and this is what your training was for. This was what those years, those years Straight of being up. a paralegal was for. Honestly, this man. This one question. And, and, and like what I said, when I studied history, yeah. is like learning how to research. So I wasn't scared to like dive in. I didn't accept the face value of people. And like, well, that's not going to work. You yeah. can't have drinks and hair in your drinks. Ew. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, come on. You're thinking too, that, that's too broad. Like, let's let's dive into this. And I did. And it, and it could work. Yeah. So now it could work. How do I make it work? Yeah. Was it, and so was it, it's that moment, it's a cartoon moment. And were you just like, did you say it to them or do you just go, you were like, when I get back from this vacation, like I'm driving into this. I'm obviously like, I'm trying to condense this as much as possible because this is my life's work, which we could be here for forever. (laughs) And I love talking about it, but, um, but yeah, like I I went back to New York and I started, it was like chipping away at it, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I have something here. And once I figured out that it was feasible to do. Then I was like, okay, well, how do I get this? How would I do this? I guess I was like, well, I guess you need a business plan. I was like, well, great. I don't know how to write a business plan. Mm-hmm. No training there. I was like, well, the internet's here. Business plans. <laughs> Google business plans. And yeah. businessplans.com popped up. And yeah. I was like, well, let me see this. And that was, and they gave you like example templates. And I was like, well, typed in salon. And one pulled up. I was like, well, I'll copy and paste that. And then I grabbed one for a bar and it was all the fluff stuff, like the executive summary, the mission statement, all that shit. And yeah. I just started swipe, uh, like um, substituting the sections with my words. Yeah. Then it got to the finance. So I, I wrote all the fluff pieces, like our mission and all that stuff, which isn't fluff. It's But it's not like what the investor Yeah, the beginning, they, it's they not wanna, what gets off the ground. Yeah, the energy, yeah. And that's, in my opinion, the most important because that's the differentiator. And we can talk about that later. But like they want to see the finances. So there's here's the hurdle number two. It's like... I have no, I can barely do math, man. Like Mm -hmm. I'm really, it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Um, Luckily for me, my dad is the accountant can work his way around an Excel sheet. And so what I did was, uh, but he doesn't know like what a bar Mm. would do numbers wise, like what the costs to run it are. And the salon, like, yeah, my mom and I have some experience, but like in terms of the business operations, like didn't really have it. So anyway, I just, I cold called, I'm not cold called. I called, previous employers and I was like can I get your finances like I'm trying to do my own thing no 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 yes one sent me one then the bars I started cold calling bars and being like hey I'm doing this I'm opening a business but I don't know anything about it can you help me no 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 yes sweet and then I tweaked it based on what I thought we would do put it all together I have some I have one of my friends help me with uh Okay, so so then so now it's like okay, what are we going to call this? And uh, and you know it was a moment when uh, there were a couple of cool speakeasies happening in in New York. Uh, PDT was one that yeah. I thought was really neat, and I was like, that'd be cool. It's like, what if we could do something like that? Like I, everyone loves a hiding spot. Yeah. And so I looked up speakeasy on Wikipedia, and one of the synonyms for it was blind pig or blind tiger, and what it meant was. The, during prohibition, that the 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 agents that were cracking down mm-hmm. on the sale of alcohol, if they there was a venue that they permitted to like sell it, they would turn a blind eye to what was going on. Yeah. So I was like, well, blind barber, that makes perfect sense. Who doesn't love alliteration? It's amazing. That's the best naming story. Yeah. Right? That's amazing. And and so I was like, cool. And then my buddies and I, we went to the Manhattan Inn for some drinks that night. Uh, my buddy Matt and Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who gave me the awesome joke. Yeah. And I think he was there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him that was there. And we were sitting there and having some wings and drinking drinking beer. Cool little bar in uh, Greenpoint. And I was like, you know what I'd really love to do? I was like, because it's a, bar, a barber, uh, blind barber, two Bs. I was like, scissors. I was like, and I drew two lines that looked like an X. And then I put a three and a backwards three. And I was like, I want like this. This yeah. is what I want. And I'm not artistic either. Yeah. So I was like this, and it was on a napkin. I have in my emails. I, I don't have the napkin anymore, but I have the. Photo but you have, of, of yeah, the I have that too. I designed my wife's ring, her her engagement ring, on a napkin, and and I never and and I lost that, but I have a picture of it that I sent the design. Damn, we need to hold on to these design napkins, dude. No, I'm a firm believer that the napkin is the best medium for all great business moves. Yeah, it's it's the number one. You don't need anything else but napkins and like a pen. Um, logos, business deals, yeah, everything. It's all done on a napkin. But, um, so we handed that off. We went back to the crib 
and just started my, my friend Matt was pretty good at Illustrator mm-hmm. and he, we started piecing it together and then we sent it along to Eric who's way better at Illustrator and mm-hmm. the design guy and he turned it into logo and then we put it on this uh, business plan I changed the way I was talking I was still at the law firm working yeah. mind you yeah. and I was I, people would ask me like what are you going to do now and I, instead of being like oh, I'm here and I don't know I was going to be a lawyer and it's just I just was like I'm going to open up a bar and a barber shop in my head, I had no. It was clue. done. I had yeah. no fucking clue how. Yeah, but I was going to do it. The decision was. And made, what yeah. happened was, is when I changed the way that I was speaking, and I was confident in in doing what I was going to do, no matter if I didn't know how I was going to do it. It was. I think it was. It was. Uh, you know, infectious and contagious to to the people that I was saying this to, and they're like, "Oh, that's cool. Like, you should talk to so and so. You should talk to so and so." And then that so and so would lead me to so and so, another so and so. And I was just following these breadcrumbs around mm-hmm. and picking up little bits of information. And then eventually, I was led to uh, my now business partner, Josh Boyd, who was selling his bar, and it was in the East Village, the original location of Blind Barber. And I didn't know him, but I was introduced to him through a mutual friend. And I, you know, I walked up to him. He was not paying me any mind. And I mm-hmm. said, I have a plan. I would like to purchase your bar. And he was like, sweet. He was, and he was like, you know, it's my baby. I, I'm not really ready. I, it's got to be the right concept. Even if I'm not involved, I just want to see something cool. This absolutely. is what like gave me my start. If the neighborhood deserves something cool. Mm-hmm. I was like, sure. I was like, read the plan, man. Like, I would love to, to do this. So he took the plan. And he called me like a day later or something, whatever the time frame was. He's like, this is awesome. He was like, I want to partner up with you on this. He was like, so let's get the half and half together. And he was like, and I have a great operator, um, my other partner, Adam Kirsch. Yeah. Um, so we'll be set. You run the shop and us two will run the bars and we'll, we'll make it work. I was like, dope. I'm going to come meet you. Because I didn't have the heart to tell him over the phone that I had zero dollars. Zero dollars. <laughs> like I was full of shit. Yeah. And so I met up with him at his other bar, Ella. And he wasn't even facing me. He was like sitting one way and I tapped him on the shoulder. I was like, Josh, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. I was like, uh, and he turned around and shook my hand. He's like, I'm excited, man. He's like, we do it really well. And he did. He's like one of the like OGs in the East Village. Mm-hmm. And I have, he's my mentor. He's a huge, you know, influence to, to how I became a businessman and, yeah. you know, running, running my own show with him. But, you know. And I was like, but I got to tell you, I have zero. I have no money. <laughs> I just want to get that out of there real quick. I'm glad we shook hands and we're good to go. But that part, and he looks at me and he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, I just, I need to get it done. I was like, listen, here, I don't need to be the owner. I was like, let me just work here. Call it Blind Barber. I'll run the shop and let, let me, I have ideas that it's bigger than this place. And like, I know you do bars and stuff, but I really think that we can do something cool here, like product or you know, like collaborations or something, mm-hmm. right? Because I was always on hype beast at the, at work anyway, and I yeah. love that sh- stuff. It yeah. was it's what I wanted to like totally. emulate. And he was like, he was like, you you're an owner. You're definitely going to be an owner. He and he gave me a small percentage because I had no money. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. I'll, I'll earn my way. I will figure out a way to make it worth my while. And we shook hands, and the next day we walked into the space with a sledgehammer and ceremoniously just. Started it off. Oh, that's amazing. And a couple months later, we opened up Blind Barber in the East Village and to to a really great reception. And yeah. all my friends were hanging out there and it really like took on that vibe that I was hoping for as this, not just a place to get your haircut, but like a real hangout. Yeah. And yeah, the bar obviously lended itself to kick that off. But I think, you know, it was immediate that people saw that it was something more than just what we were offering. Yeah. What was the first like either press piece or person who came in that you were like, ah, it's stuck. Like, like we got it. Within the first week we had, there's actually an Eater article yeah. uh, about Blind Barber, how we, re- we received, I think, three New York Times pieces in one week. And they were, like, basically calling out New York Times being like, great research, guys. Like, um, all three <laughs> sections wrote about, like, it was like fashion, food, and, and nightlife. And... All of them wrote about Blind Barber. We ended up on the cover of the New York Times online yeah. for two hours. Like, wow! this small barbershop and bar was the first thing that you saw when you typed in NewYorkTimes.com yeah. for two hours. Which, so that was makes, the moment where I was like, what? 
And it makes so much sense now because you're like, it is those things, right? Like it has such a tie into fa- like fashion. People go there. It has a tie into that. It is nightlife. There is food. You can go get it. Like, so it makes sense. But I get that it's a, I, I get that it's funny that they ran it in all three sections. Yeah. But, oh, man, that's like, and it's such a good, like, I like the hardworking story up to it, you know, because I feel like, um, I'm trying to, I, there's a, there's a quote by, uh, it's from Kanye West where he talks about the difference between him and Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And he says, with Jay-Z, everyone always sees the, hears and sees the victory. With me, they always hear and see the struggle. And it was like the perception of the two of them. And I, and I always thought that was interesting, even outside of rap, like as being kind of a corny reference, just saying like the, the perception of these different stories. And I think in like a very modern age, you normally just see people's victories as like social yeah. media is like a curated portion of your life as opposed to like, that struggle, which is years and years and years in the making and a lot of hustle in the making that culminates into what feels like an overnight success in the first week it takes off, whatever. But, you know, it was years for you. Oh, yeah. Still struggle, still going. <laughs> struggle struggle still is goes. still real. It's it, very real. And so that first rendition of it, like week one, is that still kind of the same true DNA that exists today or has it changed? Were there a lot of things different about that version of it? Yeah, I mean... Everything evolves. I mean, I've grown up and, mm-hmm. and I and so have my partners and I feel like, you know, our business is a reflection of our own personal growth. It mm-hmm. has to be and that's one of the defining factors of our business that makes it so unique is that it's 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 for us and it and it grows with us. Yeah. However, us as people, which inherently then kind of trickles down to the business, is that we've always cared about people. And we, we and it starts with a selfish motive, like we want to feel good about ourselves. And so we want to make sure that we're surrounded by people who also feel good about themselves so that we all feel good and <laughs> everyone's having a great time. Yeah. And that's when great things happen. When people are their most confident is when you get the best results mm-hmm. um, because they're not scared to go and take those risks or to dive into their project. They're, they're, you know, they're confident. And when you're confident, that's, that's the first step to like making shit work. Then you yeah. need a little luck and some hard work and some expertise, but confidence in my opinion is like number one. Yeah. Um, so that's always been there. So from week one through six years later, you know, that, that, that mission and that ethos of just like, st- you've been handsome, so now stay handsome. And you are the, let's make you the best version of you. Come hang out with us. You don't need to get a haircut. You don't need to grab a beer. You can mm-hmm. just come and kick it. Yeah. And we've never let go of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels, and that was something I always liked about and still like about the Culver spot is it felt like that like you because it's small enough where i think it's only four chairs there that you're all kind of in the same conversation together right and you're sitting there you have like the magazine it's intentional yeah we will never build a shop more than four chairs yeah and we do it purposely so that everyone can be included in the conversation if they so choose yeah that was a deliberate designed that's amazing. Yeah. And it is exactly, exactly how it felt. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, well, if you got more chairs, you can make some more money, you know? And yeah, that's true. Um, but we have the luxury, uh, at, the, at least in this current state of the business, that we have the bar to back it up. So we, mm-hmm. we have the luxury to kind of like build the atmosphere, you know, build the, build the product and not worry about the money. Let the money follow like a good product. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, to relate this back, you know, the, the podcast that we do here really supports the um, the theme of our shapeshift issue for the month. And we had you in uh, for analog. Um, and so one of the things that's so amazing is that this started what what's what now feels like this huge digital presence with you guys started as a brick and mortar analog experience so to you like what was the most important thing that people could get and we may have covered it already uh, but like what was the most important yeah. thing people could get out of coming into the into the shop it you know we 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 provide haircuts we provide shaves we serve you beer mm-hmm. those are just products like mm-hmm. those those aren't what we're really trying to push forward mm-hmm. uh, or put push forth through our business and i think that people get the feeling of confidence when they when they get to mm-hmm. hang out with us they get to be themselves and and to me there's no that's the greatest thing you know i i our shops are and and our business in general and our social media is like all about just lending itself to you to help you get to a point where you feel good mm-hmm. we're in the feel good business not the look good business mm-hmm. you know and if we're if it's a conversation that's 
to be had that makes you feel better, yeah, that's that's we're down for that. If it's a beer to take the edge off of your shitty nine to five day, got that for you. If it's a haircut because you feel like your sides have grown out and you don't look like yourself and you want to look like yourself again, like we got that for yeah. you. If it's the pomade, it's not about because it's the best pomade in the world. It's because it's the blind barber pomade that's really great. And when you put it in your hair, you know you're a part of a crew that is rooting for you. Yeah. We're rooting for you, you know? And, like, we, whatever it is, it's not like you have to go do your own business. But, like, whatever it is, you know, we want you to just feel like the best version of yourself. Yeah. And and haircuts, it's always so tied to uh, different events in people's lives. Like, I have an interview getting married. What, what, I got my haircut the morning of my wedding, right? Like it's something that you remember yeah. like you go in with such a purpose for. Yep. And so to you, like, do you think if you're relating anyone listening to this, like they have some type of brick and mortar experience, do you think like, are there pieces that translate across anytime you interact with a brand? Like, of course. Yeah. I, I would say it's just about like, there, there's definitely energy that comes along with whatever product you're selling or mm-hmm. whatever space you have, whatever service you're providing. And it's it's about, like, you know, making – I don't know how to say it, but, like, when that person walks in, you want it to stick, like, that that, that energy to stick with them. And, mm-hmm. and it starts with a conversation. It starts with, you know, telling the story behind why you did it so maybe they find some sort of – you know, reason that it applies to them, why the, you know, I made the, sh- the shirts are all made in America and we bought the factory ourselves through Kickstarter. It's like, oh shit, I'm going to buy this t-shirt and I feel like I can now go do this. I, I, I think, yeah, I would say like, you know, it's not just what you, everyone's heard this, right? Yeah. It's not what you're selling, it's why you're doing it. And every business should, in my opinion, should put that why at the front. I mean, yeah. I learned, I watched that TED talk and it yeah. resonated. People buy me. the why. Yeah, man. And, and they should. It, and, not only do they buy the why, but it makes what you do feel a little more important. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it takes like, I don't know, the, the, in my opinion, the boring stuff, which is just like the finance, the, the Excel sheets and mm-hmm. the, did our profit, that stuff's important. I'm not discrediting that. You have to do Someone that. Someone has to think about it. Yeah. And it's incredibly important. It's exciting to learn that stuff too. But like at some point that's all the same, right? Mm-hmm. The why and, and like the reason behind what you do is, is, is in my opinion, one of the different key differentiators in our time because Mm. a lot of things have already been done but feelings can always be different there can always be there's some little tweak in into why you wanted to start your business that you should be sharing with your customer so how much time did you spend like in the shop in the first couple in the first couple years i managed i'm i worked the barber shop Mm -hmm. sweeping and managing and haircuts whatever Um, I think Monday through Friday, five days a week. And then two of those days I did a double and would do the bar bar and learn the bar, closing the bar. Wow. I was there nonstop. That's nuts. I mean, and so going back to like that wine inspire confidence in those, do you, in those years, is there anyone you remember who they like came into the shop and that was the first time you met them and just like through an interaction through like, their experience with your brand, like there was a change in them. I know that that may be hard to remember back. Was there ever anyone who you feel like you're like, oh, that like that person, they got the experience that I built this to give to them. Yeah, well, well, I'm glad they got it. I I hate to say it, I didn't build it for them. I yeah. built it for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and I think my partners would say the same. And we're just happy that someone could take that from you know. We invite them into our world. Mm. I can't. I'm not doing anything for anyone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I hope so. Yeah. I'm. Sh- I would like to say I'm sure that this happened because oh, I, yeah, know, sure I know. I know for a fact that they've done it for me, even mm-hmm. within the business. You know, mm-hmm. I've had interactions within the shop where all of a sudden they've changed my direction within Blind Barber, or they've given me an idea that that has that enhances what mm-hmm. I think. You know, enhances the business, like meeting. Frederick uh, from Joya, the candle studio, and he came in. He's like, "There's something so unique about you know the uh, the barbershop smells." And myself and our barber, uh, our head barber at the time, we were like, "Oh, we should make a candle." Mm. And then all of a sudden, we're like making candles, and that was the first product we ever made. And I was like, "Wait, we should make more product." And so he changed the entire trajectory of you know, or, or added a huge component to our business Barbara, that may like not have happened. Comment, and yeah. it was just through conversation mm. and we made a candle together with him. So on the flip side, I'm, I hope, you know, I think 
there's been people who, you know, we, we, I get emails and, mm -hmm. and random nice messages saying that like, because of you guys, I'm now opening a barbershop and you're a huge inspiration or, you know, I, I decided to, to really dive into my passion because of listening to you on this podcast. I did a podcast with my buddy back in New York and mm -hmm. that happened. I, I would hope so. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't change anything. I can yeah. only like hopefully inspire and then it's got to be that person. That person so, yeah, I, I, it. It's always up. It's them. They yeah. always do it. Totally. Totally. So I, you know, you work long time, get it off the ground, have some success off the bat. What are then like, you came out with product. I'm mm -hmm. guessing that's a big evolution. That's a big evolution in the brand. What are the, like the other kind of big steps, like other leaps of faith you've had to take along the way? Leaps of faith. Um, all of them, right? Yeah. Like every time you open is a kind of a leap of faith. Like mm -hmm. you can have as much planning and cool branding, but you, you learn very quickly that you think you're way cooler than the rest of the world. Uh, and they don't, not everyone really knows who you are, no mm -hmm. matter what's happening. So opening new locations was a huge leap of mm -hmm. faith. I mean, across the country with no network and just jumping in my car, driving across country with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and not knowing where we were going to live, but knew that we could figure it out and that this place that uh, a random landlord gave to us that was sandwiched between Best Buy and Weight Watchers was going to be our next location. That's a leap of faith. It's the funniest location, the, Co the Culver City one. LA is the land of strip malls. Yeah. You know, so we felt like, why not? Let's put the stucco on the outside and just embrace it. Yeah. And you know what? When you step through, you're in a whole nother world, yeah, it's totally, which is cool. You lost. Totally. And, and it yeah. lends itself to our concept of being a speakeasy. It's like, there is no bigger surprise than like being like, wait, so do I go through Weight Watchers or this barber shop? And yeah. then all of a sudden you're in this beautiful bar. Yeah. But uh leap of faith. Um, else i don't know i mean like that's, launching, that's it yeah. yeah launching product i mean having no experience in retail or wholesale for that matter but mm -hmm. just believing that we can we're smart enough to figure it out and if we especially if we have the right reasonings behind it you know and that was a big that's a big jump moving back to new york <laughs> yeah every every, every one of them was a leap of yeah. faith man like you gotta jump and hope that and and just believe that the net will be there and yeah. you know, a lot my team and i we do believe that and there's planning and we are we are a a much smarter bunch now and like way more business savvy so the risks are slowly becoming more and more reduced but there's always risk and there's always a leap of faith. And I think that's what makes successful businesses is not being scared to take those risks yes. to make that decision and be like, you know what, we're going to make this decision and let's, let's just make it happen. Let's do it. Yeah. Or, and if it doesn't, let's learn and yeah. do and, and do it again. Yeah. Take that next leap. It, it seems like, and from uh, from the stories, it seems like you kind of kept it in the family as far as the team that's come on. Like, you have some friends who've been a part of it. Like, to you, is there a hiring, like, who you bring in? Do you have to know them personally no. first? Or, like, what? No. How do you make those decisions? Because that's something that I think we always think about here is just, like, the hiring decision. You're like, who's the person? So many people are creative or want to be in that type of industry now, especially once you guys get big. You have more of a choice of who's going to, like kind of come on and like you you're putting your stamp on them like this person is part of the blind barber set you know like yeah. well do you like, how talk do you... about another leap of faith yeah it's yeah. people yeah you know and you can't you can't know how they're going to react within a working environment that you know friends can become crazy employees or vice versa the guy that you've never known before could become the best friend and employee you've ever had um you don't have to know i was just very fortunate to have gone to school with the most influential people in my life. They're my best friends. They're my brothers. And they're they're everything that they, they've made Blind Barber. Mm. Um, so, and none of them, the majority of them didn't see themselves becoming the positions that they are now. And it was just kind of, they were hanging out and they helped me get it off the ground. And so the, what I could offer them was, hey, what do you want to be? Mm. What, what are one of the things you want to try while growing up? still and they were like i want to be a creative director and it's like well then guess what my friend you are a creative director yeah i don't know what that means but we're gonna figure it out and yeah. let's go and you know when you give when you put your faith in someone and trust and you have and and the ethos of the business is to chase your passion and it's okay go make mistakes go make a ton of them you know like please don't bury the company but like 
Yeah. But but yeah. we reward that type of behavior because it, it it's it's advantageous to us to push the envelope. It's what keeps us fresh and and it allows people to feel a part of something as opposed to, or feel like they're building something from the yeah. ground up with you as yeah. opposed to working f- for you. They yeah, as opposed to you. life happening to them. They're, right. Like and and so it, yeah. so I, a lot of my friends, you know, they were in the same boat as me. I'm a little unhappy. Kind of had picked this profession, but wasn't really what. They thought it was cracked up to be, and Blind Barber was like a blank canvas. Like, no one says it has to only be a barbershop. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want, yeah. man. And so we did that. And then on the flip side, I think as we grew and, and like, people would come in or, or read about it online, like, our, I hope our energy and our things kind of transmit itself through our social media through like you can get the vibe of the place and all of a sudden that attracted like-minded people and yeah. you know yeah there's there's some that didn't work out of course yeah you know and there's days i'm sure the employees wish i didn't work out and <laughs> you know but yeah. but you get through it and and the majority of it has worked out because people feel, i think i think our employees feel as though they're building with us not for us mm-hmm. and they have an opportunity either within Blind Barber or at least to explore so much of themselves and, and what they want to do in life and to build a skill set that they can then move forward outside of Blind Barber, which we encourage as well. It's like, you know, if if you do your best work, it's going to help us and, you know, we're going to learn what we need from that position and you can either stay and keep helping us out or you can go and you've taught us something and we're there to help you. Yeah, and you, can, and you can go on to the next thing. Collaboration, too. man, just keep keep. It all becomes family, even mm-hmm. outside of Blind Barber, and it's just a, I think, I think that's, yeah, yeah, um, no, totally. It, it I hope keeps, that answered it. Oh, it does. Like it keeps rolling from there. I think that's the, any creative any creative pursuit. Like all of those people come back around. Like anyone who you who like came in and then they end up being a photographer for something. They need a location. Let's shoot the blind. Whatever it or is, even you manager. Know? Some people yeah. wanted to be the managers and like learn how to run a bar because yeah. they had you know. But you didn't have to know us. No. Yeah, it just yeah. happened. To answer your question, no, you do not have to know me personally. Yeah. You, <laughs> you just happen to hire some of your friends, and you and otherwise they hired themselves. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, like they were like, "Yo, let's." I have some really cool ideas. Can you pay me to do yeah. this? I was like, "Well, we'll figure it out." Yeah. So one more question along the line of analog. You see other people like who else do you see? You traveled. You've been to some places. Who else does like the in person experience right? Who does it right? Um, I love. I mean, even within our own like industry i feel like uh there's cool little barber shops that that i've witnessed like there's this one called greasy hands mm-hmm. uh is that new york or is that no 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 down in uh alabama um my buddy samford and this guy austin worked there uh or started it so dope and they 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 really have that going for them too um what else what else is really Really, really, really great. Um, I just went, you know where I, I went that I felt there was really good, like, and it was a big place. It was the Freehand Hotel in Chicago. Okay. Everyone was so friendly and you just felt so welcome. And, like, it was about, like, just making sure that everyone was comfy. Mm. And, and it didn't feel stagnant like most hotels. Like, it wasn't, like, cookie-cutter, like, response. You go over here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no, a, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of cool stuff. Those are, those are Knickerbocker Manufacturing, even though they don't have retail. Like, I feel like there's it's a it's a good crew. Like, you go to their where uh, their factory and they have a little half pipe in there, and they're always oh, down to just make something. I fought for a half pipe here, and, and they, they wouldn't do it. They're not even expensive. I was like, yeah. we can do it. <laughs> those guys are great. They're putting a lot of cool like stuff together, and they're always trying to push the envelope and bring manufacturing back to the U.S. And yeah. it's cool. They, they those guys, I think, totally. And so there's a note on here that I'm like sure we're like way over time at this point, but like there's a note on here that I have to ask about where we're like we asked about moments of failure and we've already talked about it. Like we've talked about the struggles to get there. Oh yeah. But there's a note on here where we say this and you drop some things in there were failure moments and one of them says losing a few billion in stocks. Yep. And so like that I can't not ask about that. So I was at the law firm and we were closing a deal and I lost like I think close to a billion dollars worth of stock certificates. Could, like you physically lost physically lost them. Certificates physically like gone. And it was one of the more it was the one of the best learning experiences of my life because people were pissed. Yeah, pissed. But after 
looking for them and just being threw my hands up in the air and I was like, listen, I, I don't, I don't have them. And yeah. they're like, okay. And with one piece of paper, they like, were like, these certificates were lost. We need to reissue new ones. And it was like all fixed. And I was like, really? Yeah. Like, you're you like, just, you like, upset? you just <laughs> crushed me for like a month about these things. And now it was fixed in one. And you it, could and, reissue them. Yeah. And to, to me, it was like, okay, so you can fail, like go fuck up more and mm-hmm. just keep learning because then I you know, you learn something and it's just like, I, I love that saying fail upwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's so important to me now because I don't have all the answers and I, and I think it, we would be screwed if we didn't take chances. Yeah. All right, Jeff, thanks so much for being here with us. Uh, all the insight is amazing. Um, one last closing question for you. So we talked about like you sitting in the barber shop, you get a chance to just like talk shit, be with the guys. If you could pick any two people to be in chairs and you get to have a conversation with them like that, be around where they're getting their haircut, who is it? Uh, 100% it would be Kanye. I, I would have to talk to him. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, I know he's arrogant a lot of times, but I, I'd like to think that he's a d- good dude and I feel like I'd learn a ton of shit from him. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I don't think she'd get her hair cut with, with us, but, uh, it's, I believe it's uh, Sophie Amoroso, the, the owner of Nasty Gal. Yeah. The girl yeah. is crushing it. I want to pick her brain so desperately. And then a clo- and then a third would definitely be Elon Musk. Like, yeah, oh, me. Like, hey, are we going to be in space anytime soon? <laughs> you guys want to do a pop-up up there? And you're like, yeah. yeah. Like, sick. Get that Let's spit do that. First haircuts on Mars. 100%. That's amazing. I think they'd be good. Nice. Dude, well, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. I'm really sorry I rambled. No, dude, it was perfect. I I feel like what like we talked. I didn't get to let you talk about what you were excited about or plug plug anything that was coming up. Like, is there anything you're excited about that's coming up that you want to throw out there for people to check out? We'll throw handles out. We'll throw all that stuff out. But I mean, I'm ex- I'm just excited to keep doing what we're doing. I yeah. mean, it's always a new day. I, I I'd like to. We're gonna open more locations. I hope and make some new friends and you know come out with some cool product. Mm-hmm. Um. There's, I'm hoping that we can expand overseas soon, which would be a lot of fun. Awesome. I'm excited about that. What, can you say country or, or, or city? Or are you trying, you can hold that one close to the vest if you want to I hold that I keep some secrets. All right. All right. That's fine. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank really you. appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you uh, for listening with us through this interview with Jeff. Hope you loved it. Uh, remember, check out the, sh- the newest issue of the Shapeshift Report, the analog issue. That's shapeshiftreport.co. Also, you can find us anywhere on social at Shapeshift Report, Instagram, Twitter, all the important places you expect us to be. And we'll see you next time.